So it wasn't just consistency of follow-up. It's across multiple mediums. It's the phone, it's Facebook retargeting, it's email, and really keeping that person up to date and understanding that whilst it might not be a major pain point now, we don't know whether two years down the track, whether it might be a major pain point then. We think marketing is about intimacy in many ways. Right? It's about making people aware of who you are and building a level of intimacy so that people can get to this point where they go, I trust you, like you, and know who you are enough to want to give you money so that you can solve a problem that I have. And if we don't build intimacy into our marketing, we never get to that point. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, and joined by my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. Welcome Hi. to the show, Tim. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sam. <laughs> Thanks for welcoming to my show. <laughs> I love the theme we've come up for this week. Right? I'm we so this excited about this. Talk about very often. Obviously, we sort of, you know, we're usually giving you, you guys advice on, you know, and structures and stuff that hopefully you're kind of you know, putting into play uh, on a regular basis. But this week we thought we'd talk about something different and we thought we'd pull out, you know, of all the marketing we see, right? And there's a lot of it, right? You know, we're apparently mm-hmm. bombarded by three or three or 4,000 sort of marketing messages a day, but we thought we'd pull out a couple that we think really stand out that maybe mm-hmm. you should take a look at and go, you know what, what are they doing? And why are they so successful at what they do? So we thought we'd do a little bit of uh, what's out there in the market and do a bit of analysis on it. Absolutely. Why don't you start, Tim? Because, well, you know what, these are all awesome, but you know, I love this. You've spoken about this on the podcast before, yeah. so you may have heard it, but I think that this is fantastic case study <laughs> yeah well okay let, let me let me share this one okay and, and so i think this is one where you know we talk about doing the unexpected okay mm-hmm. when the whole idea of marketing is to kind of stand out from everybody else okay get mm-hmm. get attention to start with you know and i was on a to give you some context i was on a a networking call in the us and one of the guys i connected with was a guy named matt wood and and one of the guys i connected there with there was a fellow named matt wood who'd done a lot of networking. It was a, a sort of networking coach, not as opposed to a network marketing coach, mm-hmm. right? So he's teaching teaching people sort of how to connect through relationships and referral marketing sort of strategies. And and Matt and I jump on a one to one call, and I happen to notice on his bookshelf. And if you've ever done a call with Sam or watched one of our videos, you can see Sam's got all her books color coded <laughs> um, bookshelf. And Matt was the same, right? A little bit. We won't make too much comment about whether there's an OCD thing happening here, Sam, or not. <laughs> hey, I'll own it. I'll own it. <laughs> <laughs> but he had, uh, he had, and I was, I was counting it, right? He had, and I'll hold it up. If you're watching the YouTube video, you can see here, Never Eat Alone. This is a book by Keith Ferrazzi and Tal Raz, right? But it's the secrets to, you know, other secrets to success, one relationship at a time. It's about how do we build depth of relationship, right? Not just number of relationships, which, you know, so many marketers espouse but depth of relationship. And we were chatting about this and Matt had 16 copies, right? I literally had to get a pencil out and sort of count them on the screen. <laughs> 16 copies of this book. And I said, what, I've got to ask Matt, what is this book you've got on your shelf? All right? And he said, okay, look, it's this book. And we got talking about, you know, this idea of relationships and stuff. And he's gone, I'll send you a copy. And I thought, oh, that's a really kind gesture. 
That's right? lovely. And here I am thinking, okay, I've, you know, in a week's time or two weeks' time, I'm going to have a, you know, a small parcel turn up and there'll be a book inside of it. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> right? I got possibly the biggest parcel I've ever received in the post. Oh, how exciting. I love parcels. Like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> Clearly, this is either a lot of bubble wrap <laughs> yeah. well, or something be. else. And I opened it up and Matt had sent me 15 books. All the same? Not all the same. So different books. Okay. So some of them were, you know, I think he sent me four copies of his book, which were, you know, one signed for me, another signed, you know, almost from me, like from him, from me to give to other people. Mm. As well. you, know, all hand, you know, all hand signed and stuff, but a bunch of other books as well of, you know, he sent me a copy, a couple of copies of this never loan book as well. And again, one for me and, and other copies that I could give away to, you know, to colleagues, to clients, to, to whatever as a thank you. And the postage from the US for this was $75 US. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a client at all. Mm-hmm. We never spoke about whether I was going to be a client, but, you know, just this kind of thing to go, you know, this wow moment for nothing other than that sound. You know, I saw a book in his bookshelf and he sent me, you know, a whole bunch of books. A great, a, so a, a pretty significant expense to him. Mm-hmm. That's $75 to throw on postage. It's not, plus the cost of the books, mind you. Mm-hmm. All right. It's not an insignificant gift to someone to kind of do something a little bit unexpected that I've mm. never had before. And now, if how you think about often the number of people you... who pitch to you, Sam, and you get nothing from them. Mm, yeah. How often do you speak of that event? How often does he come into your mind? You look at the books, you think of him, you think of him when you send things to other people. I think it's, and that's good marketing. It's not just you're watching it once, you're, it's coming up over and over and over again. Yeah. I would have told, I don't know, thousands of people mm. this experience now. Yeah. How cool. How cool. I want to share an experience that's similar, that it was something that was very special because that's, you know, I think that's one of the themes here. And this isn't a piece of marketing, just like that story. This isn't a piece of marketing that we see on, that I saw on a website or that is sort of out there. But again, this is something I've talked to a lot of people about. And this was an experience I had at the Inspirational Book Writers Retreat back in 2015. And uh, Dave Thompson hosts those retreats. And, you know, you go, I don't think he does them in, in person anymore. I'm pretty sure he does them all online. But, you know, back then we used to go and, and we would all go on retreat and we'd be in the house and we would all write together. Now, over the course of the week, there's a, for anyone that's written a book, they'll understand this. If you haven't written a book, it's a very emotional experience. It brings up all sorts of feelings of insignificance and, you know, who am I to be doing this? And, you know, there's a lot that you have to personally go through to be able to write a book. And at the end of the retreat, we had a, a dinner and, you know, a celebration of wow, we've written our books, we're done, we handed our our manuscript in, we had a whole event. And one of the things he did was hand me an envelope. And in this envelope was letters written by people that were very, very special to me. So there was letters in there from my children and some of my really close friends. So he'd reached out, he'd obviously stalked me a little bit on Facebook, which is kind of a, a bit of a weird feeling, except for the fact that I got something amazing out of it and read these letters about, you know, why these people were so inspired and, and so proud of me for doing this thing and what it meant to them by me writing a book. And to tell you I was in absolute tears is an understatement. But again, like your story, there was an experience that now I've mentioned and told many, many people about. We're talking about it here again. So good marketing that made me 
have this or that gave me this really amazing experience. And that's what good marketing is. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. If you don't stand out, right? I mean, we, we think marketing is about, you know, intimacy in many ways, mm-hmm. right? It's about making people aware of who you are and building a level of intimacy so that people can get to this point where they go, I trust you, like you, and know who you are enough to want to give you money so that you can solve a problem that I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And if we don't build intimacy into our marketing, we never get to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And, I, you know, and I want to sort of talk about another one that's stand out for me from Taylor Welsh. Now he's a, a consultant. You can find him on Facebook and you know, definitely on Facebook. But I first connected with Taylor. I saw some of his stuff. He's quite adept and astute copywriter. I think that's that's his his space. Works with coaches and consultants to kind of build their multi-million dollar business. It's a little sort of American bravado in there in terms of, it, you know, there's a lot of promise, right? But backs it up as well. Now, one of the things I like about Taylor's marketing is that he has clearly got a very mature follow-up process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is critical. Again, like getting your kids to clean their bedroom, whilst <laughs> it might be your priority, it is not theirs. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, my priority is to sign you as a client. Your priority is to pay the car radio today. Correct. Or, you know, sort out what you're going to have for dinner Insert many tonight. other millions <laughs> insert, of things that have to happen. <laughs> insert any other, every, every, you know, everything else that might be a higher priority for you right now. And what I, what I like, if you sort of get into Taylor's funnel at some point, you'll see it sort of in action. But he has a, a really long and mature follow-up process. Mm-hmm. And certainly one of the things I teach my clients is you want a follow-up process at least one and a half times longer than your average sales cycle, mm-hmm. okay? If not two times as long as your average sales cycle. Yeah, I is would it, say that is closer to the truth. Okay. <laughs> right? And so what Dayla does, I quite like because he'll mix up his sales cycle as well. So I know I'm in his retargeting funnel, mm-hmm. right? So I constantly see stuff. I'm not only on the email funnel, right? I'm on the Facebook retargeting funnel because I still see you know, keep seeing resources pop up right? and you can sort of find out how they get into your newsfeed if you take a look. But also in his process, he does, he has one of his team reach out every four months on the phone mm-hmm. and just check in and say, how are you going? Have you seen this thing? Right? Mm-hmm. Every so often they'll go, hey, we've just developed this resource. Do you want it? Mm. Right? So again, it's continuing to be valuable and useful and build a relationship, but over a long period of time. And we often forget that you know we need to be able to do that with the people we connect with not just because they're not a fit right now doesn't mean they won't be a fit you know at some point down the track so it wasn't just consistency of follow-up it's across multiple mediums it's the phone it's where you know facebook retargeting it's email and really keeping that person up to date and understanding that whilst it might not be a major pain point now, we don't know whether two years down the track, whether it might be a major pain point then. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. And it's important. Okay. So make people feel special, but make people feel special over a period of time, not just a once off. Mm. Interestingly, I have not heard of Taylor Welsh and now we're talking about it. I'm sure it will show up on one of my social media feeds. (laughs) We'll probably finish recording (laughs) and it'll just magically appear in my Facebook newsfeed. Yeah, absolutely. Another one I really, I really like is Tim Ferriss. Now, Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard of Tim Ferriss, you are living under a rock. I would have thought so, actually. <laughs> Tim Ferriss's, I guess, seminal work that he's known for is the four-hour work week. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I think 
you know, what sort of really defines what Tim does is that it's really much about accelerate the learning. How, mm-hmm. how do you how learn? Can, how can he hack anything? How can he hack anything, right? So here's the, the other original hacker. You know, how do you learn 80% of a skill set in 20% of the time to be able to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, four-hour work week is about that, right? The whole, whole premise of the four-hour work week is, you know, how do I turn my 40-hour week into four hours so I can go mm-hmm. and spend the rest of my time learning other skills, you know, creating other influence and things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the sort of the underpinning thing there is, you know, I remember reading the four-hour four hour work week while I was still a, you know, a highly paid contractor in government mm-hmm. and private enterprise and going, well, this sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to work 50 and 60 That's hour so weeks funny for someone because, else. <laughs> because I read this book on a cruise. Uh, we were doing a, a month cruise around Asia and I remember buying this book in Singapore. I hadn't even heard of it. I remember being in this bookshop in Singapore and flicking through it and actually sitting on the floor in the bookshop because I couldn't put it down. I thought after a few pages, I'd better buy this book. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get like dragged out of here. Past you and you're and, looking at you in the aisle sitting, reading, going, this is not a library. You're sitting cross-legged <laughs> in the aisle, exactly. And I and so I was in a different situation to you. I was like, oh, I can stay on this yeah. cruise. <laughs> yeah. It's a good book. And I think that it's probably a book that 99% of entrepreneurs have read and attribute, you know, to creating some sort of online presence because of this book. Yeah, I think and the, the cool thing about this is this is, you know, from a marketing context, this is really understanding your ideals, customer desire. Absolutely. You know, we, we talked about that, you know, last episode where we're talking about, you know, wants and desires and fears and frustrations. I'm frustrated that I'm having to do far more work in my business or my job than I really want to be doing. And what I want is to live the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And for me, this was, you know, and, and he talks about all sorts of things. He talks about sort of, you know, working more productively from home than in the office so that, you know, the boss you know, sees you doing more work than working at home. So he says, yes, you can have more time at home. And then, of course, you outsource part of your work to the Philippines or Costa Rica or where, right, to get, you know, to, to then increase your productivity and free you up to otherwise do stuff. So there's a good business lesson in that in itself that, you know, work out where your time is best spent and give other things, you know, stuff to other people, mm. right, to create more outcome. But one of the key messages I really took away, you know, from Four Hour Work Week when I first read it, and I've read it several times since, including some of Tim's other, you know, publications, was that we lose sight as we've spoken about Sam so often, we lose sight that the business is not the end goal. Yeah, hundred okay? percent. The lifestyle is the end goal, and we need to build a business to support our lifestyle. And that was one of my biggest takeaways and light bulb moments when I first sort of got back into business. Yeah, as an adult to say, hey, like I need to, I need to change my thinking on this. Totally, totally. Now you mentioned Taylor Welsh before. I want to talk about another Taylor because I think that this Taylor is the absolute lesson in marketing. She is the queen of marketing and it's Taylor Swift. I think that what Taylor does in her marketing is just almost unbeatable. She's so good at what she does. I could go down many different routes here, but I just want to talk about the 22 hat. So in her current tour, the Eris tour, which is just a sellout in seconds, the whole way around the world, to get one of these tickets is just 
Like I wish. I'm a bit of a Swifty, a bit of a closet Swifty. <laughs> Swifty. They've got, got an acronym for a groupies. So did you like not groupies. know? Yeah. So I don't know. Most, I'm, I'm, most Swifties I'm, are 13. I, I love Taylor. Like she's great. <laughs> I love lots about her. But the 22 hat. So she has a hat that she wears when she's singing 22. And at the end of the song, she gives it to someone in the audience that is one of her biggest fans to acknowledge them, you know, thanks for being one of my fans. Now I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert and I know about this hat because there's so much marketing created around this that she has done so cleverly and so in such in a beautiful way that it's not, it is manufactured, but you can't tell. So there is so much virality on social media about who's getting the 22 hat at every single concert. So much so that I had to Google everything about what is the 22 hat? Like, you know, what was it? And on TikTok, once you get into Swift talk um, <laughs> or Taylor talk, I don't know what you call it, and you'll see there's just video after video after video after video of people talking about who's getting the 22 hat. And, you know, I'm going to the Taylor Swift concert and, you know, who's getting the 22 hat and, you know, this is me before I got the 22 hat. And I think that what's beautiful about this whole marketing campaign is there's so much strategy around how it's been done. So other people are doing the marketing for her by her coming from this really pure place of acknowledging her fans. And I think this is something that Taylor Swift does so well is acknowledging her fans and acknowledging the people around her. I mean, she gave a huge bonus to all of her team, you know, $100,000. You don't see that very often, but she's really good at acknowledging the people in her world and letting those people do the marketing for her. And I think that is just an absolute master move. Yeah. I think one of the things, and clearly I don't follow Taylor Swift as closely as you do, <laughs> mostly because I, you know, I don't really follow music in general, but I, I do appreciate her, you know, skill A as a marketer and, and business person, B as mm. a as an artist herself, right? No, no question. She's an incredibly talented artist, otherwise she wouldn't have achieved the success she's, she's got. Right? She's got a great product. Yeah. But one of the things I've really loved in order, you know, to get to this point where she can have other people do her marketing and their fans do that sort of thing is that she, you know, as she's built her career, she's done some incredibly good collaborations, right? And always made sure, again, as you say, recognizing other people because then they then feel good about recognizing you in return. Mm. You know, they talk about you. So if you can create this environment where other people talk about you. This is what this whole life cycle of marketing is, mm -hmm. is like. It's not just create a bunch of social media posts and I'm done. You know, if we look at create a bunch of social media posts, get people interested, deliver an amazing experience that people want to talk about. Well, effectively what Taylor's done is like what every football team in the world does. Mm -hmm. They get their fans to pay to market them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Taylor has hats and t-shirts and mugs and posters and everything. And guess what? Every time someone, a Swifty, buys one of those, they're paying for the privilege of marketing Taylor Swift. Yes. Right? And we can do a lot to learn from that. And that's how do we create an experience so memorable and so special to our clients, as you mentioned with Dave, right, that they want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. They're effectively paying you to promote you. 100%. 100%. The theme of all of these is how, how can you stand out? How can you do something that is a little out of the ordinary and how can you do something to give people an experience that makes them feel something, feel something special, make them feel something that is really extraordinary. 
And then if you can achieve that, that is the marketing that will have the cut through. And that's why we've been able to talk about this today in that this is marketing we love. This has given us experiences that feel good that we talk about over and over and over. And makes me think I need to come back and relook at my experiences again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully as you're listening to this show, it has also given you the same feeling. What can you do in your marketing to stand out a little bit? What can you do in your marketing to make the people in your world feel special so that they're talking about you and creating virality without you having to do anything? Because that's what the aim of the game is. So hopefully you have got some value from this episode. If you have, we would love you to share it on social, share it on Instagram stories and tag myself at the Sam Riley and Tim at Winmore Clients. We would love to share your account and share your stories with our people so that we can share the love. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of Influence by Design. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. <laughs>